millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening and welcome to Chatwin Live. It's the big match preview here on Thursday, the 7th of January 2016. It's a new year. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm your host for this evening, Louis Meadows. Joining the studio here at the Valley R. Tom Wallin, evening Tom. How are you doing? Evening Louis, not bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good. And uh, joining us is uh, Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Not bad, living the dream, mate. Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, on tonight's show, we will be looking in detail at the statement released by the club today, analysing non-executive chairman Richard Murray's Q&A uh, with cfc.co.uk. And then we're going to be moving on into uh, assessing in detail the wider media's reaction to Saturday's massive fan protest against the club owner Roland Duchatelet and CEO Catherine Mary. Uh, we're also going to talk about a major milestone being achieved by uh, at Colchester for one loyal supporter. And then we're going to preview the game in the FA Cup. Uh, if, like me, you've pretty much forgotten we're actually playing this weekend in the FA Cup uh, uh, against Colchester. But first things first, I mean, normally on um, normally on this show we we find time to look back at the Saturday game. To try and uh, sort of refresh our memories, but uh, not tonight. Not tonight. We're um, uh, we're a bit, bit bit too busy to do that. Um, today, the club uh, released a statement on the CFC.co.uk in the form of an interview of such sort of a scripted interview, I guess you'd call it, because obviously it's uh, by um, by the club themselves um, to try and um, allay the fears that the the fans have. Um, mission accomplished. Not for me, no. For me, it didn't answer any of the questions we wanted and just kind of summed up how we're all feeling without actually giving us any indication of what's going to happen to improve it. I mean, there's a few notable exceptions to what was actually included, um, uh, questions that perhaps if um, an outside journalist was given the chance to ask and, uh, you know, if someone from, from the the standard perhaps who uh, who have actually run with the story but they were sent this uh, this piece perhaps as a firefighting exercise... Um, the, 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 someone like that would have asked perhaps what's going on with the manager that sort of thing you know are you going to appease the fans with the manager because there's a lot calling for his head at the moment um, are you going to address the comments uh, that Katrine Mary made at the web summit in Ireland I mean we said on uh, Saturday on Sunday's show sorry that um, it, I, I said that perhaps uh, with, with those comments out there now and bad PR basically coming out from them because people are reading them a certain way if that's not what you meant I've come out and say that so the the fact that they haven't answered that for me suggests that they, they, they've dropped the ball a bit there and, and missed an opportunity yeah I mean they like you said it was a firefighting exercise I think it's a case of that um, with the protest on Saturday that to come out and say something um, and they've just put a load of sort of PR spiel uh, just to, to try and appease but like you said the, the, the main questions I was thinking of was again like you said was the interim situation and the, I would say, possibly Lookman sort of situation, because last we heard, he was sort of they were trying to renew his contract, that yeah. sort of stuff. And then there was nothing. He said about, oh, we're, we're now in a position where we don't have to sell players to pay the wages. But he didn't say, uh, when it goes back to what Catrian said at the Web Summit, about just being like a farm. Sort yeah. Of thing, so. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, um, I've been hearing around, around on a match day for at least three or four weeks now, oh, Lookman's about to sign a new contract, Lookman's about to sign. he ain't signed it yet, has he? So, what's taking so long? That's sli- that, sli- that has worried me slightly, uh, uh, to put it uh, one way. Yeah, as I was sort of saying, um, the, the fact that they sent it to the Evening Standard straight away means it isn't, this, is, this statement for me isn't aimed at Charlton fans, because if it was aimed at Charlton fans, you've got your Charlton website, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, that's all you need, because Charlton fans follow that stuff. You know, I'm sure many Charlton fans do read the standard, but they would have got that club news before that. The fact it's been sent to the standard to me proves it is that they're trying to save their reputation within the media as well. And you can understand why, because obviously that would be um, uh, a lot of embarrassment after Saturday for the the club. You saw pretty much every major newspaper ran it, um, and we're going to assess in the second part of the show. We're going to assess the wider media's reaction to it. So this, the fact it's gone straight to the newspaper, you know, they've had to send it. I mean, the the story came out at midday. They would have had to send it to them earlier. 
in order to be in the the print. I mean, the, the standards must be printed by about what three o'clock? Yeah, the latest. Yeah, if not earlier, because obviously you can normally pick it up by then, yeah. by, by four o'clock. So um, they um, they they clearly knew that they wanted to get it out there, not just to answer Charlton fans, but to answer the wider football world as well. Yeah, I think, um, and that's exactly how it comes across when you do read it as a fan as well. You don't feel like he's talking to you at all. You feel like they're prejudged answers that are just trying to, like you say, save their reputation. And we said on Sunday that no matter what they think of the club or what their strategy is, the reputations of people like Katrien are now coming under scrutiny themselves because of the things like the protest. So, it, like you've both said, really, it felt like a firefighting exercise. It didn't answer the questions we wanted um, and didn't really explain anything about the strategy. It mentioned the idea of not selling young talent and like uh, Nathan says we're in a position not to do it but then they don't say anything to alleviate the fear of Lutman they talk about the fact we're looking to try and build and we're still looking for Premier League yet we've still got the interim manager and they didn't mention that so as far as the fans are concerned and what the protest was trying to address they haven't really done that enough for I me. guess to, perhaps to the untrained eye so obviously again the Charlton fans I mean we if you go on the forum you'll see that Charlton fans have picked this apart pretty quickly to the untrained eye to, who knows that similar statement? Who, who doesn't know that a similar statement came out? You know, fourteen months ago, or whenever. When again, we weren't doing bad. We weren't doing very well. And we, you know, these sort of things have come out before, and exactly the same thing that's happening like that happened last year. I mean, even even down to the same exact player in the form of Roger Johnson, but uh, signing players with championship experience halfway through to rescue yourselves when you're in a bit of a mess. Uh, the people, most of the people, the Arsenal fans and the Spurs fans and the Chelsea fans, being the standard, won't know that, will they? No, and I suppose they're going to read it and go, "Oh, right, so the protesters work because they've come out with a response." But you know, people, people like Catrian and Richard and Roland shouldn't be thinking about the other fans because it's got nothing to do with them. It's about Charlton fans and what they feel. And like I say, it hasn't adv- answered our questions at all. You look at, I don't know if we're going to go on to unpick it more in detail, but for example, they talk about. The, the price of tickets and how it's affordable football now and how we're looking to break even with affordable football, well, that's fine, but they don't at any point mention the declining attendance. They just say, well, our football's cheap, but it's not cheap if no one's coming and actually paying that money, is it? So there's lots of parts like that that you could pick apart. Yeah. And as I say, they need to be thinking about the fans first because that's what the club's yeah. all about. And we are about to go through sort of each question and, and sort of um, not pick it apart, but analyse it as such. Do, do, do you think it's significant that it was Richard Murray that was the one who... Um, who uh, was uh, spoken to and not Katrine. Um And why do you think they might have gone down that road? Possibly because she's made a f- uh, one or two um, errors in what she's uh, come out and said. So, uh, But I've, I think it's possibly more leaning towards that Richard's probably been here the longest and um, he's obviously more... Um, obviously the fans know him a lot more, so he's come out and done this sort of amazing sort of speech I think if Catherine come out I don't think you think that, do you feel like the, the lack of trust I mean one of the things obviously yeah. on Sunday show which was our record uh, our, our most downloaded show ever by the way so thanks for all of you who listened and downloaded um, I, I obviously went out into the protest uh, to do some reporting and asked ask fans questions and one of the things that, that come up a couple of times is a couple of fans said that any relationship now between the fan base and Catherine Mary has completely gone after the comments at the web summit in Ireland where she uh, compared them to customers, and so do you think that that that's sort of, this is almost an admission that perhaps she, she knows that she she enough, there's nothing she can say now. If it's, it almost feels like there's nothing she can say now to appease some of the fans out there from from the people I've spoken to. Yeah, well, I mean, if if that's going to be the case, if she can't come out and make a statement like that, which is more or less generic anyway, what what sort of impact and what is she going to be able to do going forward? So is her position now untenable? Because I mean, she can't just sit there for the rest of her life and say, right, I can't say anything to anyone because no one's going to believe me so I, I would have still expected her to come out and say something whether or not I wanted her to I would still have expected her to say well I am still CEO I will come out and say this but I don't know where this leaves her now if she can't come out and make a statement that's so generic as that I don't know what she's going to be able to do going forward Tough one, right let's, um, let's have a look at the actual questions themselves I mean uh, we, 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 we said we're going to analyse it and we've got, a, we've got a whole show to do it no, there was no press day today either so we haven't got 10 minutes worth of audio from that so we've certainly got a lot of time to fill today so we're going to quite happily go through each, uh, each question and, and analyse uh, the first question uh, is what is the strategy for Charlton Athletic and Richard Murray uh, replied our strategy is that, we are, uh, is that we are a financially stable club who can be competitive in the championship but has Premier League ambitions through Roland du Chatelet's backing we have become a financially stable club 
the second two elements are a bigger challenge. The only, the only thing I will say there is that not that's an aim rather than a strategy. An aim, an aim is where you want to be. A strategy is how you're going to get there. Hundred percent, and that's what I mean about speaking to the wider audience. If you read that and you're a fan of another club and you think, oh great, they're looking to be Premier League football. That's that's exciting. But <laughs> as Charlton fans, we know the reality. We're second bottom in the league. We've got an interim manager. We've got a team full of inexperienced players who lack sort of championship experience. It doesn't tell us how we're going to get out of that and become a Premier League club or work our way up. It just says that's our aim. So, yeah, again, it, it had that feel of speaking to a wider audience to try and sort of appease them and, and hasn't actually told us anything we didn't know already because you ask any of the fans in that protest what Du Chatelet's plan or aim was, they could tell you that that's what he said he's going to do. It's, it's the fact that it's not yeah. being done. I think I said this on, again on Sunday. I said... Um, because uh, we were discussing the thought they haven't said anything yet and obviously this was only Sunday it was, way, it was, probably, it was way too early for, for anything to be said probably um, but I said it's going to get to a point now where if, if no matter what they come out and say a lot of fans out there are probably, are probably going to say something online as well you've said this before and you still haven't done it your actions need to speak now and that's why um, that's why I think uh, some fans may have an issue with, with the first question obviously um, we're, we're, just, we're just out here analysing it we're not claiming any position at all because we'd be silly to do that but um yeah we're um that's what i believe a lot of fans and and reading the forums today that's what i think i can safely report and um, the second question why is it a challenge to stay competitive in the championship and reach the premier league these are difficult and interesting times in football the premier league has got much richer since we were last in it nine years ago and it'll see a stratospheric wealth next season the championship is one of the most difficult leagues in the in world football to operate in there are three clubs a season who come down with their sizable parachute cash and several others who have owners willing to gamble heavily to reach it. The problem is that not everybody can win. Mm. Uh, you understand, I mean, obviously you understand there's, there's teams like down here who've been spending bucket loads of cash and it's taken them a while. I mean, if you look at Middlesbrough and Derby, for example, they, they would have spent a lot of money and come close but not, not quite got it over the last three or four years. Also, they both look in good shape this year. So you can understand what he means by that. Um, but, I mean, there, there's... There's spending so much money that you gamble with your future, and they're spending a little bit of money, so you're not in a relegation battle every year, isn't there? Yeah, I don't. I mean, when he um, obviously that answer, obviously it makes sense, but I, I don't think any any of us are sort of sitting here demanding a 15 million pound striker and you know, spending 50 million quid on the whole squad. I just think it's just the way that they're actually doing it. I mean, we all know about the parachute payments and. You know how lucky Palace are now because of the sort of money that's involved in the Premier League, but um, it's not. It's the case of the, how we're actually recruiting. I don't think it's the case of how much money we're spending. Mm. I think it's the how we're actually doing it, which is the issue, which is what everyone has. Do you, do you think we should go down the Palace route of just diving to win penalties until we get promoted? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the next question: Shouldn't all clubs aspire to be in the Premier League? Richard says they should, but they shouldn't gamble with their future. If you look around the Championship now, there are clubs in danger of, of administration. Several with triple high-figure debts. Obviously, Bolton is the the standout one there. Uh, others falling foul of the financial fair play regulations and subject to transfer embargoes. I fear that if this gambling continues, there will be more clubs at risk. I don't think we should be gambling with the future of Charlton Athletic again. It's only two years since Roland stepped in to rescue the club. His philosophy is that we should try and keep our losses to a reasonable level, which, again, you can you can understand, but I'm sure there's other clubs who are spending wisely and not in our position. Uh, this ensures Charlton Athletic will be here as a future, uh, as a football club, and that we continue to be a hub of the community. I'm not I'm not sure every club in this league can say that right now again it's a it's a legitimate answer to the question isn't it because it it answers it and but you look at that question it's shouldn't every club aspire to be in premier league like of course they should like you don't need to ask that question mm. they've got this chance to answer the fans concerns and they're throwing in a question like that like what fan if you asked every fan as they came in do you want your club to aspire to the premier league how many of them are going to say no like mm. we know the answer to that question already and it's it's as if they've just asked it to give him a chance to say, "Oh well, this is what Roland's done so far." So um, that certainly yeah. the reaction I've been I've been seeing to that one. Yeah, I mean, obviously that is the case. I mean, don't forget, um, this is uh, it may look like an interview, but let's let's not beat around the bush. This is a PR exercise, yeah. and everyone knows that. And there's no there's no denying that. That's just the way. I think it's just a, it's basically just a statement, but it's been written in question form because it makes it clearer. To, un to understand um, uh, what does keeping losses reasonable mean it means keeping a handle on your outgoings and in particular your biggest one which is player transfers and wages Roland's strategy is to have a mix of academy produced players young overseas talent with some experienced British players as a long term strategy I think that's a good one because you have to look at your wage bill especially if you're going to charge reasonable prices to get in 
who picks up the, the cheap tickets again. However, I think it's fair to say, and he admits this, he has underestimated the challenges of the championship. We've been He's been here for two years now, Roland Duchatelet, and we saw the exact same thing happening last year uh, in terms of we had to bring in experienced players in January to play for half a season. Um, I mean, uh, for starters, there's, there's, there's players out there who won't enjoy that. You look at Roger Johnson. I mean, obviously, we've given him an 18-month contract. I mean, realistically, do you think that we offered him an 18-month contract at the start, or do you think he said... Oh, six months. I'm not taking six months again. You messed me around last time. If you want me to play for you, give me 18 months. I'm certain that's what he would have said. Well, yeah, I mean, you, if he, obviously he's got to look after his future as well. But um, in terms of the actual question, it, it does make me laugh sort of thing because he says, uh, you know, strategy of a mix of academy-produced players, which is fine, which we have. Um, young overseas talent, I would so probably just to say talent. young overseas <laughs> players <laughs> and then uh, some experienced British players those experienced British players only come in January for the plasters where we have to patch everything up yeah. I wouldn't say it's, it's always it's been like, a consistent a, a, mix again that would be a, a fine answer if it, if it wasn't the second year mm. in a row that we're doing it and don't, I'm, you know, I don't, we don't really know what Richard's role actually is and I'm, I'm not I, I'm very careful because I, I, I never really wanted to be in a position where I, I had to question Richard because I know all the great work that happened here at this club when I was growing up, and I when I you know when I was a teenager, I got to I spent my teenage years watching Charlton in the Premier League, which is yeah. you know a lot of people would, would, would like ten years might find that hard to believe, but um, so I but he's been here for long. He, he surely he could have like mentioned you know like we're going to need some better players than this if we want to in the championship and mm-hmm. I, hate, I hate to have to be in a position to say that it's the bit the bit that I've seen from from social media and from forums today that people have had probably the most problem with is that that. They're saying they know they've underestimated the league. And you think, well, like you say, Richard Murray, he was with us in the Premier League days. He's done a huge amount for this club. You know, people certainly used to. I hope some people maybe still do look at him as, you know, someone important to Charlton and a good figure around the club. So he knows what we need to get forward. Like you say, Duchatelet's been here now two years. We've had the same problem both times. And yet they're still coming out with the same thing. So you've got a question, why are they still underestimating it? Why this summer did they think, well, let's try the same strategy again as last year and see what happens? That's uh, And that's, as I say, that's the thing that I've seen that people have had such a big problem with. To say that they've underestimated it again, it's, it's not really a good enough excuse when you're into your, what, third, second or third season as an, as an owner. Well, the next question is, um, uh, can you detail what's been underestimated? We have put... A little too much faith in our overseas players to suddenly come in and play 46 games a year, which um, I'm fairly confident I said is the same thing on Sunday's <laughs> show. Make me the non-executive chairman. Um, uh, this was a, a very competitive league where games come thick and fast, uh, and there's a talk about you know British players uh, over overseas players struggling in their first year. And he says, I, I think we underestimated how long it would take them to get used to the championship. Hopefully, the players brought in this year from overseas will be even better next year. But it's clear there hasn't been the right balance next, uh, this season. So there's been cases last year where the, the very worst players, and if you look at the Nagos, the the Polish Peets, the Christophe Lepois, they obviously they've come in and struggled, but they haven't even been given that second season anyway. They've been shipped on quite quickly. So th- there is questions to be asked about that. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's. Can you think of any overseas players that, that were here last year, struggled, and are still here? They struggled. Um... Not really. Reza struggled a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, Reza he went yeah. away. And then Reza struggled in his first season. I, I, yeah, so you could say he's, he's come back a bit better, but he, I don't think you can really say no. that he's had a season of English no. football. He had, no. he had a, only played about 10 games and spent 80% of those diving on the floor. Mm. Um, uh, the, the next question, why was this something? Was this not something that should have been identified in the summer? And this is a question that I personally would have asked as well. Yeah. Um, and Richard says it's, it could have been better but you can't legislate for injuries to some of our key players like Stephen Henderson who was already injured in the summer Igor Vitekele who was injured in the summer and Ahmed Kashi who's one of those overseas players um, that added to the squad imbalance gave us a problem in December in particular people can see that the players are trying their hardest but we're probably falling a bit short and yeah I'd, you know, I'd, 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 I, would, I would never question how hard the, the players try um, that doesn't I mean, I'm sure I'd try a lot if I went out there as well um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, the, the the injuries you're talking about. I mean, two of those were already injured in the summer as well. So yeah, I mean, the uh, I find that 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 answer sort of contradicted it itself a little bit from the previous question. So in the previous question, he says, 
we've put too too much faith in uh, the overseas players to suddenly come in and play 46 games a year. But then he says you can't legislate for injuries for some of our key players. And you have Hendo, which is different. But then you've got Igor and Ahmed. So he's already admitted that you know that those sort of players aren't going to be able to come in and sustain the same level of form for 46 games. Which means, why are you buying all of these sort of overseas players if you know that they're not going to be able to do it? So you yeah. should actually bring... Yeah, bring more sort of experience and more fitter players who are going to be able to do it. The, right. actual, the actual answer that to that question is the first like five or six words. It mm. could have been better, mm. but yeah. then everything else is just something completely different because he then goes. But also we've had injuries and and that kind of stuff. So that's actually a separate answer altogether. That doesn't actually focus on the whole uh, mix of players and and that sort of side of things. The next question: What would you say is missing, and what could be done now? The obvious strand missing is that. It has been the number of experienced championship players. This is the first time we've been able to address this. Uh, it's the January transfer window. I mean, it's the second January transfer window in a row you try to address it, unfortunately. And that's and that's where that's why I'm saying that I think a lot of Charlton fans who know what happened here last year are going to, you know, say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too sure about this." And you know, um, obviously, we we are bringing in players, and we're bringing in Ro- Rojo, who Roger Johnson, who played with a broken rib last season and his first eight games as the club rightly pointed out I thought he was pretty well he did have a couple of disasters Blackburn as uh, another one where we played badly I can't remember which one but generally it was okay and as, as the season tailed off we tailed off as a team and he tailed off as a player in the last five mm. five or so so you can understand that but like I say it's, it's something that we've known for a while now and really it should have been dealt with yeah, the, 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 the thing that I find it hard is that, like you said, we always do it in January. We always wait until we get to a situation where we're in dire straits and then do it. Do you know what I mean? So the things of uh, Roger Johnson and Reese Williams, why didn't we try and do that in the summer? And then we weren't, prom- well, hope I would imagine so, we wouldn't be in this situation now. But now we're trying to all panic again and get people from India and people who have just come back from an injury, um, even though I do think that Reese would be quite a good player, very vocal. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be the same every year. I, it was the same last year with Eagles and Rojo. <laughs> I like that one. Um, and was there someone else? Someone else who was like, Diara. Diara. Yeah. He's yeah. still good though. But <laughs> it's just the yeah, it's just a patching up exercise. It's just really frustrating. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, next question is: What difference do you hope the new signings will have? And obviously, we all know that what the new sign the new signings are going to Im- improve us. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're not in a situation where it's too little, too late. And we'll, um, we still probably, we, hopefully, there's going to be another couple to come over the line. I haven't heard anything. No, I haven't yet. But you've got, yeah, I've got no problems with the signings they've made. Like, like we said, Johnson, he's been all right, and, and Reese Williams had a very, very brief cameo. But what I saw, I liked, and we know what Poyer can do. So there's nothing wrong with the signings. It's just so, why now? The only, why the only thing that confuses me about Poyer because we all know how good a player he is. I mean, did Milton Keynes Dons have some sort of spectacular midfield? Because he wasn't really getting into their team, was he? Yeah, I've got no idea why. Yeah. Why not? But, it's um, unusual, but you we'll know, take it. yeah, I have I have faith in Poyet that he's going to come back and play well. So it was di- I was disappointed when he left. Yeah, um, but you know, I hope he's uh, you know he's back on track now and he, and he can do what he needs to do for us. Um, uh, uh, what role do the fans have to play between now and the end of the season? And Richard says it's a vital one. Patently, there are some some supporters who don't like the ownership, but what I've been pleased about is that the fans have got behind the players during the ninety minutes and. Um, I agree with. Her. I think the players do uh, do try and get behind, the fans do try and get behind the players up for the ninety minutes. Apart from maybe the sarcastic McKeenock stuff, which, is, which still needs to stop. Um, but I think on the whole, the support is good. I thought the support was good on on uh, the Forest game on Saturday. Uh, the Sheffield Wednesday game here was one of the best atmospheres I've ever heard. Like I've heard here for years and years, and that was before we even scored. Um, so that you do understand where he comes from there. Uh, and he says, good performance or not, the players really appreciate the fans get behind them. If anyone wants to express negativity, the time to do it is after the final whistle, not during it. Uh, which I also agree with. If you, if you want to express negativity, then feel free to do as much as you want at full time. Uh, on the whole, I think the Charlton fans have been very good in that area. Yeah, I think it's probably true. Yeah, I think he's. Um, yeah, I think everyone gets behind the team, like you said, apart from the sarcastic cheers of Hendo catching it or Mackinac heading it or anything which isn't going to help the situation but um, yeah no I think we've always been um, it's one of those catch 22s you know do, do we cheer on the team to get them playing well or do they play well and then us cheer to follow it's one of those ones really but um, yeah no I don't think we've we've been that bad really this year considering we've actually what we've had to watch some games <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had to watch most of them um, <laughs> Uh, uh, are there other areas you think the club needs to improve? I think we need to communicate with supporters better. We've heard that so many times, so many times. 
the board accepts it's not been good as it could be, and uh, they are taking a number of steps to improve that. But it's important to realise that no football club gets all things right. Under the Ian Dowie and Alan Pardew eras, we spent a lot of money on transfers, and many of them didn't work out. All clubs have their issues that they must address. We all know that, but it's very easy with hindsight. Equally, by being financially prudent, we're not in the situation where we have to sell a a player to pay the wages next week. I've been in that situation before with Cheltenham Athletic when I was one of the owners, and it's also the case with the previous regime. So you're obviously banging on about the fact that we are more financially stable there, and that's good, and no one's arguing with that. Um, The the, the, uh, communication with supporters, I mean, it's still, uh, there's still, like we've already said it today, but there's still one massive issue that needs communicating and that's Katrine's comments at the web summit yeah definitely and he says it's easy with hindsight but like you just said there we've heard this over and over again it's not hindsight now and every time they do do a Q&A or they do a statement like this all it says is we need to be better at communication it doesn't say we're going to be and this is what we're going to do it just says oh we need to be so they're not answering what they're actually going to do to do that but yeah, on that last part, and, and I suppose at some point it, we are trying to be as balanced as we can. You do have to give Duchatelet credit in terms of being financially prudent, in terms of what he's done around the training ground and around the club, because those are good aspects of the club. But, you know, it's what happens on the pitch. that, And I think he goes on to talk about that when he talks about the tickets and the people coming to watch. It's what happens on the pitch that's going to get people coming back. Final question. How important is it for Charlton Athletic... I assume they mean to be at the heart of the community. Uh, the community. Uh, we are proud of our reputation as a family club and the tremendous work the trusts do within the community. And obviously um, the, the community trust here at the Valley is, uh, is one of the best and uh, recognised worldwide. Uh, and you can't argue with the work they do. And that's been going on for years and years and years. Obviously that's not, that's not really something that the current board yeah. can claim any credit for. But obviously they've, they've, they've left them to do what they do and, and they do it so well. And everyone's, as, as uh, Richard rightly says, everyone's very proud of... Uh, of, of what they do. Uh, the Community Trust has just had another award-winning year. The depth and breadth of their work in the Royal Borough of Greenwich is amazing. There are 26 different community partners using the Youth Hub at the Valley alone, so we are truly a hub of the community, and that's where we are uh, recording this evening. Uh, add to the, to the tens of thousands of people they support in the areas of social inclusion, education, health, equality and diversity, it's clear that Charlton Athletic are an amazing community asset. For families, we do everything to ensure that they feel welcome, facilities, atmosphere and pricing and what families are looking for. And with the introduction of the family stand, the creation creation of the family activity zone on match days and affordable tickets means we're ticking most of the boxes. But you can't get away from the fact that families want to see a winning team as much as anyone else. So we need those new players to perform, players to come back from injury. and, And as I know from being in football for 25 years, you need a little bit of good fortune. Everyone at the club is working hard to make the second half of the season a better one. Uh, so at least he admits, which I think um, uh, that perhaps the, the club hasn't been saying recently, is that you know the 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 target twenty thousand and all that is I think, which is something that you know Rick Everett's been talking about, and the, the, the trust has been saying, look, there's, it's no good having that if we're playing rubbish. Mm. So perhaps, at least at least they sort of said it there at the end. Yeah, it's bum. It's, you know, bums on seats are gonna. You get your tickets, and the way you get your bums and seats is by winning football games. So um, it's 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 all well and good saying how we're really affordable for a price for a family of four. Um, if you're maintaining your your attendance and then getting those added to it, but at the moment our attendances are dwindling. So the target twenty thousand at the moment seems quite a long way off from probably from when it was first introduced. It's probably a lot worse off. What's off? Worse off now. So in terms of uh, communication there, so that's uh, the, the, the club's statement from today. They've sent that out to the Evening Standard. So it's gone to the press, but obviously the, the interview's been done internally, so it's it's always going to be of a certain bias. It's, it'd be like, I don't know, me interviewing Nathan about how great Nathan is. Yeah, um, <laughs> We could do that. Yeah. <laughs> how, how good are you, Nathan? <laughs> well. <laughs> um, um, so what, what do you think is next in, for the club in terms of, Communication. I mean, do you, I mean, do you, I mean they, do you think they should be brave and get out there and speak to Richard Corley or go and speak to the Daily Mail or someone? I think they should. Yeah, I think. Or do you think that would be a mass? Or looking at it from their point of view, would that just be a massive own goal? I can see why they're not or haven't done it yet, and that's because they fear it's going to get picked apart. It's the same reason I don't think Catherine's come out and said anything herself yet. But because she's, I mean, we're we'll, we're we're going to assess what the press are saying about her. And, exactly. And and yeah, it's particularly in particular the comments of the web summit, which, like I say, are there's something that's, that has been picked apart. The way 
the way I think it's it's been seen today is that this statement is a statement for the press. It's a statement for the general public to try and reassure them that actually Charlton's owner's got the club's best interests at heart. But I don't think that fans feel it actually answers their questions. There's nothing like you say about recently referring to the fans as customers and likening football matches to cinemas. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's nothing about the Varney takeover emails, which we know now have been made public. There's nothing that says sort of following the protests, you know, there's clear unrest with the fans. How are you going to address that? There's, there's nothing along those kind of aspects which the fans want. But at the same time, I understand it's difficult for the club to come out and do that. And it would be a brave step to do it. But that's what the fans need. And if they don't get it, I can't see the protests sort of stopping. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the danger that the club have as well is all the time that they're not speaking to the media or speaking at all. And we've seen it over this um, over the last few days. Is the fans are the ones who write the narrative? Then they they the, the fans are the ones who contact the press. The fans are the ones who tweet and attend protests, and they're the ones that are being reported on because there's silence in the club. And that's why I think they had to say something today. But um, at the same time, they, they've left themselves open to be picked apart again. But anyway, look, we've uh, we've been talking for too long. Let's have a quick break, and we'll come back, and we are going to assess how the outside media have uh, have reacted to the uh, the protests that happened on Saturday. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason, can't find hope to believe in. Great home drive. Can he get across into the middle? He can. This comes to the far post. Yeah! yeah! That's good to We're a goal yeah! in the 96th minute. Charlton Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live, the big match preview. We're going to look ahead to uh, the FA Cup clash, which is uh, going ahead on Saturday with Colchester in a few moments' time. Uh, but uh, before today, and before I knew the, um, uh, the the statement was going to come out of the club, the, the main feature of today's show was going to be um, looking how the, uh, the the outside media reacted to um, uh, the protests on Saturday. Because obviously, in our own little Charlton bubble, we, uh, you know, we all follow Charlton fans on Twitter, we all read the Charlton website and the local papers. We all we all get all our Charlton stuff from that sort of thing. And obviously they're always going to cover it. But outside South East London, you, you're not going to read the South London Press or the News Shopper. Um, you, you're not going to look at the Charlton website. So I, I, I found it interesting to sort of have a look at how outside media... But I, I am going to start with with a, just a piece from the South London Press because it is a, an interesting one because Richard, uh, Richard Corley obviously um, covers Charlton a lot. He's not a Charlton fan but he covers Charlton a lot, so um, he understands the club. And he, he uh, talked about um, all sorts of things in his sort of match report on Saturday, which turned really turned into a, a protest report. And he, he happened to say this, which I think really is a, a direct uh, uh, reaction to what Katrine said at the, the web summit. And Rich said, what doesn't seem to be grasped is football is different. It just is. It's a business, and Du Chatelet has in, invested a significant sum of his fortune, but also so, so much more than that. It's a devotion, loyalty, and a connection with a club. You don't go to Rotherham on a wet, windy Tuesday night in February to check if the Starbucks branch there has a filter coffee worthy of the brand. If your local Odeon closes down, you just go to the next nearest one. The same emotion is not invested. In a world where we tend to shop around for the best deals, a club is normally for life, for better or for worse. That was Richard Corley uh, in the South London Press. And I think um, there's probably been... A, a, a misunderstanding from Katrine there, where when, when you take on when when you, when you take on the idea of a football supporter in England, especially the 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 written press is going to get right on you. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, when I first saw the uh, 
the web summit thing. I didn't know if it was uh, if it was actually real, or because I was trying to find way. Maybe someone sort of misquoted her or something because it did it come out on uh, Christmas Eve or something. Yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Joe Hall from the Valley Talk blog. Yeah, so I thought I won't I won't watch it then because it ruined me Christmas. So I watched it <laughs> after and I saw I saw the quotes and I thought, oh yeah, someone's obviously misquoted her. Blah blah blah. And then I watched it and I had to rewind it. I'm like about four or five times just that same bit and I was like, wow. That's going to be painful, and now, yeah, I think she has shot herself in the foot big time because yeah. there's no way she's going to be able to live that down. It's going to be a constant reminder. Yeah, judging by from what you've heard from, yeah. from other fans, from what yeah, from what I've heard from other fans, and strangely enough, I I mean, on Saturday that you know I was retweeting and of the uh, protests and stuff, and the amount. So I had my little brother who who contacted me about, it, and he's a Palace fan, unfortunately. Um, and he was—he did, he didn't know the situation. He knew there was unrest, but then I had to explain to him the whole thing. And there was a guy on Twitter from Accrington and stuff like that. So once every, everyone is knows about it now, and I think that's probably the worst thing that yeah. she could probably want. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, the Guardian Football uh, Weekly podcast is uh, something that gets thousands and thousands of listeners, and obviously. Like and if you if you listen to any football podcast apart from this one, which is the best one, yeah. uh, obviously they, they they talk mainly about the Premier League. Um, I listen to Football Ramble. They 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 don't talk, they they very rarely not talk to us at yeah, all. Yeah, not mentioned us. Yeah, um, you know, no. So, so to get this sort of thing on a Premier League leaning podcast is in, impressive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play you a little clip from the the Guardian uh, Football Weekly podcast, and uh, I, I I definitely uh, recommend that you download it and give it a good listen because it's a really good podcast. But this is what they had to say. Uh, their, their take on the situation here at Charlton. It's three points above them, Charlton. Now, uh, Reese Griffiths saying, be great if you could mention the Charlton Athletic fan protests, at least the protests against the, uh, the, the, the Belgian the duo Belgian who yeah. are, are stuffing up, in, in the view of most Charlton fans, the running of that club to quite an extraordinary extent. Yeah, there was a couple of thousand. I mean, looking at the pictures, mm. um, which is, so they had a march. Waiting, there, was a, there was a protest before the game, and right. there was a slightly bigger one after the game, after a one-all draw with with Forest. Um, yeah, Roland Duchatelet, who's the the owner, uh, took over in January 2014. Uh, has sort of blazed through a series of managers since then. Uh, they've currently got. Carol Fry in charge, who's an interim manager. Mm. Uh, and where's he from? He's from the Belgian third division, ah. uh, VW Ham. Um, and he's lost, I think, eight of these 11 games in charge, something right. like that. Um, yeah, the kind of setup there is it's, it's almost like a mini Pozzo idea with you know, sort of the Watford system of, you know, the Udinese and Granada and sort of moving players around between the. the the sort of network of clubs. With the difference being that the Potters actually move good players around the team. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got kind of quite good clubs. Yeah. And, and he's uh, sort standard Liège, hasn't he? Well, yeah, I think that he's, he's been them, them off. But he's, you know, he's also got St. Truden and Ujpest in Hungary. Right. Uh, Uncle Khan in Spain. And uh, Carl Zeiss Jena, apparently, in, mm, in Germany. Jena. Third division. Um, and yeah, so there are quite a few of the sort of players that, that. I mean, he's sold off people like Camilgan and Ben Hamer. Um, further up the to teams further up the ladder and brought in kind of quite a lot of the players that aren't quite of the, the high enough standard um from those sort of network of clubs mm. and also like over um over christmas or certainly november time the chief exec um katrin mayor yeah had a press Catherine, conference or was katrin katrin mayor it was a, a, a where she said that the, the, the new business model was going to be basically selling players to the premier league yeah it was i mean just a, i mean it might be honest but a bizarre thing to to say and obviously fans uh, not she happy also about that. she also um she was made these comments where she said fans don't see themselves as our customers they complain when we do things whereas if they go to a restaurant or a cinema and they don't like it they don't they don't complain yeah yeah. But they do with us. It's weird. It's weird. Said. Yeah, she yeah. said fans were weird for caring about their their football club, essentially. Um, and yeah, the relations between the fans and the board are obviously in a, a horrendous way. Well, we're chuckling, but this is desperate for uh, a, a club that not so long ago, and of course it's even worse because Crystal Palace are doing brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, at the moment they're they're bound for for League One, which they came out of back in 2012, I think it was. Not long ago, yeah. yeah. So what are any prospects for optimism for one of your rays of, of light down there? Well, there's some talk of you know, people being interested in a, in a takeover, but um, the chief exec apparently refused to talk to one of the previous owners, oh. um, which, again, yeah, that, that sort of information has leaked out, um, which has, again, irritated fans even more because they want to see a change, and if the, the, the current owners are just not even 
countenancing it, then, um, yeah, it's looking pretty bleak. Oh, dear. All right. <laughs> so there you go. That's the, that's the Guardian Football Weekly podcast. And like I say, make sure you get, you get on it and download it. Uh, they don't tend to talk about us too much, but if you like your football, which I, I dare say you do, well, actually, you might not if you're a Trump fan, but <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, make sure, you, make sure you download it. It's a wonderful podcast, and make sure you listen to it after you listen to our, to our one. Um, puts it out there, though, because, I mean, the, guard, uh, the on the Football Weekly podcast will be Guardian journalists who write for a, a, a newspaper, a national newspaper, so they will now know about it, and it's now that protest that the fans did on, on Saturday has brought it right into the spotlight. This is the first time where something at Charlton, certainly in my recent memory, is really hit the the headlines like that across the sport sort of sports media. I remember um when we had Cockerland when it was that last season and he went back to Arsenal. I remember a couple of podcasts then talking about how well he'd done at Arsenal and kind of saying, Oh, and he was out at Charlton in League One and no one really wanted <laughs> him and he wasn't really getting played and I was like, hang on, he was playing for us in the championship and we all loved him and thought yeah. he was amazing. So because he didn't start his first couple of games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So obviously being in the championship we don't get the media spotlight often and and the fact that this has been highlighted in so many different places and high-profile places shows that, you know, it's a story that, like you say, the club are, are looking to kind of appease as soon as they yeah. can, I think. When I caught up with um, uh, former club commentator Peter Finch for his reaction as well, and he was like... Um, Muppets! He wasn't happy, was he? Like, he was, uh, <laughs> he was uh, very unhappy with, uh, with the way things are going. Um, uh, let's move back, on, back into the newspapers. Uh, Tom Barkley in The Sun, he brought this out on Monday, and he's, I think he did like a piece that was like a four-step... It's four things you could try and do to try and appease the Charlton fans. and uh, It was an interesting piece, but like I say, judging by some of the fans I spoke to out there, I, I think it's beyond all repair, the um, relationship between fans and, and certain and certain people. But this is what he had to say. He also talks about the lack of communication coming out of Roland himself. He says, uh, Do Chatelet makes Mike Ashley look like Motormouth Piers Morden with his lack of communication? When you don't talk, it seems like you don't care. And it only leads to fans coming up with conspiracy theories as to the decisions made by the club. There are some positives with a plush new training ground in the pipeline and players like Jordan Cousins on the books still. But uh, uh, talk about that if it helps. Ideally, do Chatelet would come out and explain all the decisions he's made and outline his vision for the future. But given that he has said next to nothing up to this point, that seems unlikely. Hearing from fans, Chief Exec Katrin Mare is all well and good, although not when she calls fans customers, but at times of crisis such as this, speaking to the owner is important. So he, Tom's already picked up on the fact that Roland is completely absent from the club, hasn't seen the game in you know, well over a year, uh, hasn't spoken to fans in well over a year, and, and, and that's been picked up on as well. Yeah, and he's he's the one we all want to hear from, really. Ultimately, he owns he owns the club, and one of the things Katjen said in that in that web conference was something about someone else pays the bills, so they're the ones we need to hear from, and that's true. And we do need to hear from him. And one of the things that that uh, Richard Murray said in his statement today was about underestimating the league and not knowing the league. Well, how's he going to? He might get the game streamed to him, but he doesn't know the league because he's not here, sitting in that director's box, seeing those feeling those tackles going in, seeing what that experience does across a whole pitch. He's watching. A stream so he's only seeing seeing it through a computer screen and that's not going to give him an idea of how this league works and we we do need to hear from him and we need him to start showing up and we we like i say we need to know where this club's going because it's all well and good murray coming out and saying well this is what he wants to do but there's no indication that the strategy has changed from when he came in and we've seen where that's got us so far so uh, sky sports football podcast um this is a the sunday supplement i think this goes on tv it goes on tv before they get like journalists from different newspapers coming, and they had a brief word about us as well. Big trouble for for Villa, but there's other clubs that are in trouble at, at the moment as well. I'm thinking in the Championship, Bolton at the foot, Leeds United under Chilino, Charlton. We saw fan demonstrations yesterday um, against the ownership of the club. They're not happy with with the direction the club are heading in. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're different. Ca- I mean, they are they're important cases in the championship. Charlton and Bolton, you know, they're, they're bottom and, and second bottom at the moment. They, they, you know, they are important clubs. Very different the, the the issues that are happening there. Bolton's clearly through. You know, basically overspending, misspending, overspending. Call it what you want. And Charlton is entirely different to a certain extent in that you have owners who've got no. The Belgian owners have got no connection, you know, or, or have tried to really develop no connection with Charlton, who used to be, you know, really the the sort of poster boy club of how a club of that size should be run. You know, you know it got to seventh in the top flight. So, you know, that, that was... And now there's a sort of poster boy club of how it shouldn't be run. You know, with the chief executive referring to 
to to the fans, to the lifeblood of the club, as customers. Mm. You know, and, and saying only two percent were disaffected. Well, it was like half the crowd there. You know, after the game yesterday, and the disengagement with the fans um, is just startling. And these are these are serious. In Sean's case, it's reflected in in, in clubs elsewhere, possibly in Leeds. You know, there's that forgetting actually that the, the, the supporters. You know, you can't. You can't treat the supporters as customers, as punters. You know, in the, and, and, and that disaffection that was shown at Charlton, I think, will spread to other clubs. Yeah. If owners aren't careful, they just, can't just come in and use us some sort of experiment in Charlton's case, where they have a network of clubs and they sort of farm players in between them and stuff like that. These clubs are clubs at the heart of the communities. They certainly are. And Charlton is one of those. Bolton is another. Leeds is another. So that was the, uh, the Sky Sports um, uh, Sunday supplement there, talking about us. And, and they, they come back as well to the fact um, it's, the customer's comment keeps coming up and up. And I mean, I've said it so many times now, but I really, really think there's something there needs an explanation coming out. And that's where I mean, Richard Murray says it in his statement today: communication needs to improve. That's where communication needs to be needs to be put right. And and also the other comments about us becoming some sort of player farm needs to be clarified as well. And that's where I think we've said it so many times, but communication is so important because you see, you don't communicate. Sunday supplement, you're writing the the narrative for you. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I said earlier. I don't know. Um I think the probably reason we have probably haven't heard from Catherine about either of those comments is because she probably can't really dig herself out of that hole. Really, the only the only way she's got to do it is apologise. Really, surely that's the only thing she can do. I mean, you can't you can't you can't retract the comments because she obviously thought that what she she said. But mm. if you're going to go to a web summit and you know that you're going to get asked some of those sort of questions, you would imagine that she would have spoke to someone in the club or surely had a meeting of what sort of answers that she's going to give. Because I'm pretty sure Richard Murray probably would have worded it as she did in the web summit yeah. to call it like a sort of some sort of farm. And then, well, so uh, she, did, she didn't call it a farm. This is like yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> sort of um, yeah to explain it under yeah. The, yeah that it sounded like it sounded, it sounded very much like in the web summit that our strategy going forward was to be remaining a championship club that sells players to yeah. the Premier League. Um, which I think needs clarifying. Right, um, one more newspaper piece. This was Nick Miller, who actually wrote this, I think he wrote this before the protest. Um, uh, he says, there is also a significant whiff of shambles to the way the club is run. Some season tickets were not posted out until the day before the first game of the season. And he also missed out the fact that a lot of people didn't get theirs. Uh, while it was recently announced that the ticket office itself would be closed on Wednesdays and Thursdays for reasons unclear. To add to the sense that clown music could well be the prevailing soundtrack in SE7, the Voice of the Valley fanzine recently reported that an NHS call centre is now being housed in the ticket office. Uh, other wheezes has included a surreal caper which offered fans a chance to watch games from a sofa at the side of the touchline and a supposed CCTV clip of a couple having sex on the halfway line which turned out to be a publicity stunt for their pitch hire scheme. Um, so th- there's there's all different things. There's all different things that throughout the season fans have picked up on and not being happy. I mean, I remember writing early on in the season when it seemed like it was pretty much our only problem that the season ticket debacle was a bit annoying. Mm. Um, and since then, other things have come out and not really fitted in. We were, I mean, the, the, the sofa's hit and miss for me. I don't really care about the sofa, no. to be honest. That's no, just, it's just a sofa. A lot of people are more wound up about that than I am. If people want to sit on the sofa, it's up to them. I think if we were high up in the championship or something, yeah. it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. People quite look forward to yeah. it. Um, the the sex, sexy thing, that's not really on, on the pitch. That's not very very Charlton. I'm not implying Charlton fans don't have sex. I'm implying that, <laughs> that as a club, we're a family club and, um, and that's Palace fans again. But that's a, as a club, we're a, a family club and that doesn't really fit in with the image and that's something that, where again, it feels like the, the motives of the club have been misunderstood. Seems very much like a, a company's PR thing, doesn't it? And it goes back to the whole thing with the web summit and everything that it's it's a business and it's not a club and uh, that very much fitted into that philosophy as well. Yeah, right. Um, well, last piece of audio, and I have no no worries about ripping this uh, this bit of audio off Twitter because they did exactly the same thing to me and didn't pay me for my video for one five. They used my protest video, didn't pay me, uh, so I've uh, and they put this on Twitter. It's Chrissy Powell talking to George Riley on Football on Five, uh, talking about the demise. And obviously, there's no one who knows the club better than Chrissy Powell, is there? So let's have a listen to what Sir Chris Powell said. Off the field, real unrest. There were fans protests uh, before and largely afterwards as we can see here on, on this footage on, on social media. Do, do you have sympathy for the fans? I do. Um, obviously, I was there at the initial takeover, um, and it was only a matter of time before I, I moved on. There's been four managers since. And what I just don't understand with such a proud club like Charlton is where are they heading? 
what is the end game for the owner? I mean, he's never said to the fans, he's never really said to the players, I believe. Maybe he has privately, but I really don't understand exactly where they're heading. And obviously now there's unrest with the supporters. And that, I think, is the question that the fans are asking. Guy Luzon sat to the end of October, still not properly being replaced. An interim manager is in there, no chief scout, no director of football. If you're a Charlton fan, what were you thinking? Well, what you would think is you, you'd look at the setup when they're in the Premier League. Um, it didn't go too well. I was fortunate enough to bring them back up, League One champions. We started to get the club back to exactly where I felt the fans wanted to be. Um, the infrastructure was there. Um, there was plans for a training ground, which I believe are still going ahead. But the fans don't want that. What the fans want is a team that they go and see week in, week out, home and away, trying to progress, trying to actually get to somewhere which, you know, as everyone knows, when you're in the Championship, mm. you want to be in the Premier League. And I just feel they feel there's no direction. Um, good people, decent people, um, but they've lost a lot of very key people, not only on the playing staff, but also just the way the club's run. And now um, the fans, are they, you know, they're going to vote with their feet. They really will. And it'll only be a matter of time before they boycott games. As part of these protests today, uh, I think we're just going to see now the fans were, were chanting your name. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how that makes you feel. You, you're clearly just listening to you. You're very passionate about this club. But it's, quite, it's quite a good timing that I'm here, <laughs> hearing that. But, um, well, I mean, they, they obviously know it's a, it's, it's a club that's been a large part of my life, in my playing career, and also as a coach and a, and a manager. Um, Would you go back to try and sort this situation out? If they wanted you to? Possibly. Possibly. I've, would things have to be different? Well, I, I, I would say you cannot walk in having four managers in just over 18 months. Nothing's changed and actually it's deteriorating. You've got to look at the, the squad, you've got to look at the direction, you've got to have everything in place to have a go to try and get yourself back to the promised land, which, as everyone knows, is the Premier League. Chris Bowers, easily the most, um, the, the best guest they've had in there. The, one of the only ones who's actually able to speak English, as yeah. well, who can actually spit some sentences out of them. Uh, <laughs> interesting, he seems to almost throw his, his uh, hat into the ring at the end of that, doesn't he? I think he... Uh, that, that would go some way to, uh, wouldn't it? That'd be better than a statement. Yeah, I think he, I, I think he probably was, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what, exactly what he said, but I know he said something along the lines he probably would, but I would imagine some things would have to change. Um, I don't think he said the board or anything, but... I don't think he'd come back. I think it'd be crazy if he came back with these are in charge. Because he wouldn't fit in with their, their, it, yeah. their style of football. Yeah, no, and that's, I, think, I don't think many British managers would probably fit into this way, this, this manager, which probably we've spoke about. It's probably why the uh, interview process has taken so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, we'll be back in a few moments' time to look ahead to the uh, FA Cup game at Colchester and to uh, mark uh, a landmark game for a very, very special Charlton fan. He's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a goal! Oh, what a goal by Armacassi! Oh, that's almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike. That is outrageous. Right footed. Well, saw Armac off his line. What a goal! Live. So you're listening to the Big Match Preview here, Chapman Live podcast, uh, looking ahead to Colchester on Saturday in the FA Cup. In a few moments' time, but this uh, this Saturday uh, is a landmark game for the one and the only Seb Lewis. He's 850th consecutive Cholton game. How is that actually possible? Uh, <laughs> just to have the determination of going um, 850 consecutive games deserves... Uh, there's a knighthood, I think, especially yeah. watching Charlton. It's not exactly watching Real Madrid or anything. No. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's fair play to him. If, um, I mean, if my stats are correct, I think it's 1998, the last time he missed a game. And um, that was, was that 
that was player final year, wasn't it? Yeah, so he picked a good year. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, yeah um, I'm gonna, we're gonna. Uh, I'm plugging this really to make sure you listen to Sunday show. Obviously, it's mm. gonna be a busy Sunday show anyway with what's happening at the moment. But uh, we are gonna have an interview with Seb. I'm gonna try and speak to him at, at Colchester. I've uh, arranged to have a word with him to, to find out what, what makes him tick really and what where he gets the determination to keep coming and, and ask him a few various questions like the worm. I mean, that's <laughs> a, that's that's a Charlton folklore is the worm. I mean. Oh, yeah. There was a wonderful cl- tweet from the club the other day where a, a kid at the kids' party, Christmas kids' party, was doing the worm. And it was such a niche tweet because it, it, it added in Sebo and said, oh, uh, emulating his hero, Seb Lewis. And I was thinking, like, if you're a fan of any other club, especially mm. with all the stuff that's going on now, scrolling through the timeline, see what's going on, you see that tweet, you would have no idea because that is one of the most chunking thing, yeah. things ever, isn't it, the worm? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I can't remember what game it was. There was a game... Um, and it was away, and there was probably only a couple of hundred of us. I think we get, we were losing quite badly. That and doesn't I really narrow it down. Beat any game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just take, and everyone started saying, "Oh, Sebo, Sebo, do the worm." All of a sudden, off comes a rucksack, and he just do it <laughs> on like this, the most tiniest bit of concrete. <laughs> and the other stewards are just like looking at Sebo like some sort of crazy man. Yeah. I'll never forget that. But they, 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 they just don't know the glory that Seb Lewis. <laughs> just and, some random dude yeah. doing a word in the stadium. It's, it's one of the. I remember after after we lost a Millwall last season in in the league, and we lost two one away at the Den. It was it was just a horrible hor- another yet again a horrible day. And uh, me and my mate, me and my friends were moping around London, so we were going to go for a pint. Ended up in a. Uh, having a pint in the Weatherspoons up near Victoria, and uh, we'd just sit there all glum. And then out of nowhere, Seb Lewis just walks in for it to get a drink. And I was just sitting there thinking, again, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine because Seb Lewis is still there, and yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. Charlton still, Charlton will bounce back from this horrible loss. Mm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, congratulating Seb on Sunday show for his 850th consecutive game. Uh, let's look ahead. Um, no, no, no press day unfortunately today. Uh, probably wouldn't have been able to fit it in anyway because the press day has been moved to tomorrow. So check the usual Charlton website, New Shopper website to get your uh, your, your preview for the um, uh, the Colchester game. But I mean. Uh, how, how do you see it going for us? I mean, with such a big game away to Huddersfield on Tuesday, sh- do you expect we, 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 we're probably going to have to rest a few players, are we? Or do we do we have the movement in the squad to rest? I mean, are we going to see players the like of Esri Konza getting a game because we're going to rest players? What do you reckon? I think we've got to give some of the youngsters a go. I think um, Colchester down in, what, second bottom in League One, they what lost nine out of their last ten or something in in the league, so yeah, they're struggling. Yeah. They, they they drew their last game with Colchester. And before that, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, nine yeah. defeats in a row. So the way I see it, we we haven't at the moment we haven't really got the squad for a cup run anyway. Throw the youngsters in if they get a win, great. That gives us a chance to maybe have a, a big day out somewhere in the next round. And if we don't, it gives the youngsters a bit of experience, and like you say, it gives the the first team as a rest for Tuesday, which. Uh, with the situation we're in at the moment, it's a much more important game. Last round, uh, the second round of the FA Cup, Colchester beat Altrincham at the Western Homes Community Stadium, uh, and it was Callum Harriet with a brace, who, who's a, and a, including a last-minute winner who, who got them past, and they only just scraped past three-two against a, a you know, conference side there. So it probably, probably says all about how they're playing now. And obviously, I mean, Callum, Callum went to Colchester, and he was appeared to be one of their best players. He was so so good for them. They got Marvin Sordell up front. You know, there's players there with a bit of championship experience. You expect perhaps maybe they'd be doing slightly better. Yeah, I mean, um, I was going to say, I ain't seen Sordell play in ages. I forgot he was down there. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see uh, a couple of their players. Is They've there, got Darren Ambrose Darren as well. Ambrose as yeah, well yeah. Is that Tom Lapsley? Is he related to... Um, oh, and if he's related to our George Lapsley. I'm pretty Lapsley. sure he is, but I don't know. I might it's not, it's not the most common surname, is it? So we'll, uh, we'll have to look it up. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, how, how, do you, how do you see the game going? Predictions. Um, uh, oh, I would say, it depends who we play. I would imagine, like Tom said, we should we should rest a few players. Um, of, well, what well, ones we have anyway? But um, <laughs> I, I, I personally think we'll end up drawing. And have to come back for a replay. Yeah, oh, which is I hope bit, not. That's what. Um, that's. I mean, that is the last thing we need. Yeah. I genuinely, considering how light the squad is at the moment, I. No, I wouldn't. I was going to say I'd rather lose than a replay. No, I wouldn't want to lose. I, I do mm-hmm. like winning. Um, I'd rather, obviously. I'd rather go free, but the, the, a replay is just the last thing we want. Yeah. I, st- yeah. I, I think Jordan and Diego's legible, is he? He can play. Yeah, yeah the club yeah. tweet is. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's them allowed. two will be in the middle. I'd be surprised if them two ain't in the middle. Um, I expect maybe Williams and Johnson to get some run outs yeah. as well and get some minutes under their belt and get back to fitness. Yeah. I think we should win it, I'd, whatever side we put out. And I don't want to belittle Colchester because they are only a league below, but I think I think we should go there and I think we should win it. But 
that's uh, it's the FA Cup. It's the magic of the FA Cup is that obviously Charlton always lose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, um, that's, I think we're going to have to wrap the show up. Uh, we uh, Sunday show we had to go over by about 40, uh, 40, no, 15 minutes, and we had to do the same today. For, uh, big match preview is normally about 45. We've gone to about an hour because uh, there is so much to talk about here at the club. Uh, at the moment um, and uh, don't forget if you want to read the uh, read previews and match reports Lewis Cat has been uh, writing stuff for the Charlton Live website now we're trying to get a lot more content online for you in terms of written stuff as well so if you go to charltonlive.co.uk you can check out some uh, some written stuff uh, from Lewis Cat there'll be a, uh, a match uh, preview up for the Colchester game uh, this evening and don't forget if you cannot get to the Western Homes Community Stadium on Saturday uh, match day live on CFC Player HD we'll have uh, Terry Smith and myself uh, giving you the best biased commentary uh, for for Saturday's FA Cup clash. But that's pretty much all the time we have for here on the Big Match Preview. Thank you for, for Tom Wallin and for Nathan for coming in this evening. Cheers, Louis. For joining me here at the Valley. I've been your host, Louis Menace. Let's hope the Addicts can make progression to the fourth round of the FA Cup in the Callum Harriet Derby on Saturday. Come on, you Reds. <laughs> Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.